This podcast is brought to you by Intel vPro. This is a moment in America where a lot of teachers feel like the challenges they face are not something people fully understand. Teachers don't get the respect they deserve. They're at the center of debates about critical race theory and masks. But even then, their voices are not centered. A new show called Abbott Elementary is centering teachers. It's a comedy, but it also deals with some hard truths. And that's why it's one of the best new shows on television. Now, sure, that's my opinion, but it also happens to be true. It's about time. Teachers feel a little more seen and a lot more appreciated. Okay, so if the store has 10 potatoes, right, and you take away two of them, how many potatoes would the store have left? Janine, what did I say about taking my potatoes from the lunchroom? But visual learning is so much better. Well, guess what? Now you have zero potatoes. <laughs> Abbott Elementary is a mockumentary workplace sitcom, kind of like the comedy series The Office, where a group of quirky characters try to figure out how to deal with life and how to deal with each other. Well, in this case, the workplace is an underfunded school in a tough West Philadelphia neighborhood. Like some of the best sitcoms, this show offers up laughs as well as a searing critique of America's education system. From the Washington Post, this is Please Go On. I'm Michelle Norris, and I'm sitting in for James Holman. The best of television holds a mirror up to society and asks us to take a good, hard look at ourselves. And even though Abbott Elementary is a comedy, it does just that. The show was created by comedian and former YouTube sketch comedy sensation Quinta Brunson. She also stars as an eager and somewhat befuddled first-year teacher. But the no-nonsense character who holds it all down in that struggling school is played by the actress Cheryl Lee Ralph. I'm Barbara Howard, woman of God. I do my work, I go home. I get my nails done every week and... I love teaching. Now, we all know a teacher like that. We remember her. You just hear that voice and you want to straighten up and fly right. Cheryl Lee Ralph, who plays the veteran teacher Barbara Howard, is also a veteran actor. She's also known for her roles in the Broadway musical Dreamgirls, in films like Sister Act 2 and The Mighty Quinn, and TV shows like Moesha, Claus, and Ray Donovan. Here's our conversation. Hey, Michelle. Hey, how are you? I'm wonderful, thank you. I am such a big fan of yours. I am so honored to be speaking with you. Oh, thank I you. Been, I've been chasing you since that Sidney Poitier movie that you were in, where you were fussing at that teacher. Girlfriend, you must have seen that just the other day, because if that was a real chase, you've been chasing me 45 years. Yeah, yeah, oh girl, and I remember I remember the Mighty Quinn girl. Aw, thank you. Congratulations on Abbott Elementary. I can't remember the last time a sitcom has dropped quite like this. Michelle, I, I really have to tell you, the success of this show has in some ways been very overwhelming. I wanna know how you developed. Mrs. Howard, because when I think of you, I think of that first clip where you introduce yourself as a woman of God. And in the way that you spoke, in the way that you moved your head, in your countenance, in the way that you hold your show, I knew this woman. You know, it's very interesting for me throughout my career 
you get a script, you read your character. I always go to my parts first and I read the character. When the character's voice and movement come to me right away, there is no work to be done because she's in me. And when I read my parts and I said it, I was just like, oh my God, there she is. There was nothing I had to do to add to her, except maybe think about my Auntie Carolyn, you know, who is a lifelong educator who embodies the spirit of Barbara Howard and so many, you know, before her and after her. But it, she just came to me immediately. And it's so weird to me that in my real life, I'm not, I, I don't sound like her. I don't look like her. I don't dress like her. But when I get those scripts and I'm in my costumes, I become Barbara Howard. Her voice is different. Her cadence when she speaks is different. And she's just a different woman. I like her. I like her. I like everything about her. I like that she speaks her truth. I like that she puts the babies first. And I like that she is the sun around which everything else orbits. And she's perfectly fine with that. She has a regal continence. It's so interesting that you say that. Because when I first read the script in its entirety, I said to Quinta, our mighty leader, I said, Quinta, give me a shot at the principal because the principal hadn't been cast yet. I said, it would be in my mind, it would be great to do something that was absolutely against type for me, something unexpected for me. And she said, oh, no, no, no. We need a queen for Mrs. Howard and you are that queen. And I was like, well, all righty then. Let me adjust my crown. That, that let, me, let me adjust it, because obviously it had been tilted. I love the show, and I'm just going to admit that. From the minute I saw the pilot, I was in. And I'm trying to figure out why I like the show so much. Is it that you're centering education at a time where in America we're not centering education in the way that we should beyond the debates about so-called critical race theory being taught in schools? Is it because... I see the teachers that I so loved and that I want my own children to have. Is it because it is a show about someone who wakes up every day believing that they can change the world? I don't know which one of those things it is, but I'm trying to figure out what attracted the show to me. I'd like to know what is so attractive about the show to you. Why were you drawn to something like this? First of all, I would like to say that is all of the things that you just mentioned. We need a show like this. We are in a time in America where we are not valuing education. We are somehow stuck in a place where we think education is good for some, but not good for others. I actually read a statement from a legislator, a lawmaker who has the power to improve upon education for all in a particular state. And he said, well, some of these kids don't need education because we need more burger flippers. I want people to know that education should not be for some, it should be for all. And when Quinter wrote that scene where you are in this school and the books are 10 years old, it's, it's not a joke, it's really not funny, 
but you laugh at it because you think, oh, that can't be happening. But it is a reality. In this time in our lives, too many people are not leaning upon education. They're not leaning upon good thinking. They're not leaning upon thoughts and growing their minds for the future. They're leaning upon garbage that they sometimes read and listen to in social media. They're no longer able to think critically for themselves. The fact that people are putting theory after critical race theory confuses me because there is no theory around the fact that it happened. It's critical race facts. This is what happened. And the fact that you have states and people talking about if we teach this, it will make some people uncomfortable. If that is not the stupidest, most uneducated, ignorant thing people can be saying, I don't know what is. So I'm happy that there is a show like Abbott Elementary that raises up people who dare to do something called teach, to dedicate themselves to molding and expanding the hearts and the minds of our children. Those are some incredible people who don't get paid enough, who don't get respected enough. It's the time right now that we needed a show like this to shine light on all of that and a little bit more. You know, people think that sitcoms are there to make us laugh, to take the edge off after a difficult day, but some of the best sitcoms, some of those that have stood the test of time, also do some potent social commentary in between the laugh tracks. And you have described yourself as an actress, an artist, and an activist. But I have a feeling that listening to you right now, that the activist is not something that you leave. You don't leave that folder at the door when you step onto the set. Are you, are you working as an activist, even as you're working as an artist in this role in Abbott Elementary? I'm definitely an activist, but I'm turning into an edutainer. I want you to learn something through entertainment. And I love the fact that Quinta and the whole team have created a show that gives you breathing room to laugh. And at the end of the show, you go think about it. You think about what they just said. You think about what these children are going through. You think about what these teachers are going through. Because, hey, that's what edutainment should do. If we can't get you to open up a book, we can get you to turn on TV. If you won't feel what people are feeling, we can get you to empathize through good comedy. A great show that you love and want to see every week. That's magic. That's magic. I want to talk to you about your relationship with Quinta on screen and off screen. So you play Barbara Howard. She plays a, a idealistic teacher named Janine Teagues. And before we talk about that, let's listen to a clip. Good morning, Mrs. Howard. I mean, good morning. I know you told me not to elongate my vows before we're in school. Good morning, okay. Janine. Good morning. <laughs> so, Miss Howard. Yes. Miss Howard, it is you. Yo, I would have thought you would have retired by now, but y'all just dropped off my nephew and 
You was always my favorite teacher, and I never got a chance to thank you for everything you did for me back in kindergarten. Oh, sweetheart, you don't have to thank me for that. You did this. Of course I need to thank you. Before I was in your class, everyone would have been like, oh, he's going to be the one that needs to be secured. But thanks to you, I'm out here securing. Well, I am very proud of you. By the way, how is your mother? Well, that's complicated, but it's going to mean so much to my mom's that Miss Howard asked after her. Well, sweetheart, it was so good to see you, and have a great rest of your day. You too, Miss Howard. All right. You too. Bye. Bye. See, Mrs. Howard, that is why we do this. Mold those young minds. Just create new lives. Make those connections. Sweetheart, I have no idea who that young man was. Morning. Oh, my gosh. That is so funny. I want to ask you about your relationship with Quinta on and, and off screen. She looks up to you, obviously. And I gather from what I understand that your relationship off screen is sort of like that, too. You know something? For us, it's just a natural thing. We have a lovely working relationship, and I, I, I value it very much. You know, she's an artist that I liked from the moment that I first met her. We were working on a show called Black Lady Sketch Show, and even though my sketch was not with her, it was just the way it seemed as though she was really paying attention to what I was doing. She was really watching me. So, you know, 18 months later, when I get this offer about, you know, doing this show, it's like, you know, Miss Ralph, I, uh, this is for you because you are this character. And it was like, wow, my goodness. You never know who's watching you. So when we're on set, it's just natural. We just get along well. And it's not just us, the whole cast. We all get along well. We all love working together. And it's been a great experience. And I love the fact that we're able to talk to each other, share, you know, real life moments with each other on and off the set. And it's been a great gift, a, truly a great gift. And trust me, mentorship matters in big and small ways. Tell me a little bit more what you mean by that. There's nothing like having somebody who can see you, appreciate you, and then pour into you. I'm, I'm the product of mentorship all along the way. Sidney Poitier, my very first film, A Piece of the Action, he stayed with me for my entire career. He and I last spoke when I was on a, a series called Fam, and we just talked and we talked, and that was about three years ago. So from the time I was 19 until three years ago, Rosalind Cash, I was in, um, I was a student at Rutgers University. She lived in Jersey and the times she would drive that green Mercedes up to New Brunswick to just check on me, see on me. Virginia Capers, who I met as one of the top 10 college women in America. I asked to meet somebody who was a leader in my industry and she had just won the Tony for Raisin. She stayed with me up until the time of her death offering her advice, just being herself. All of that meant something to me. So for me to be able to pay it back, big ways and small ways to an artist like Quinta, who has the ability to really change part of the world with her talent, it's just, it's, it's an amazing gift. It's a, an amazing gift. And I know everybody that mentored me, God, they would have loved 
to see this show and Quinta because they would have known that everything they had ever done was truly worth it. You have had the gift of a very long career on Broadway, in film, in television, in voiceover work. And now you're working in a sitcom that is breaking records in terms of growing its audience and has a young Black woman as a showrunner, something that is still not common, even though we're seeing many more people of color in front of and behind the camera. What does it mean, you know, because we see her as sort of the befuddled teacher, but when, the, when, when, the, when they yell cut, I, I assume she's a shot caller. She's actually telling folks what to do. She wears a different hat. What's that like for you to watch that? after your career? Wow, it's really, it's really amazing because she's so, she's so good at it. I always say it, you know, she may be tiny, but she is mighty. I love seeing her grow. I love seeing her thrive. I just love seeing her be in this world called show business because I, having had a long career, I've seen what it has taken to get to this place. And everything that has been done was worth it. Because, you know, you see in young people, finally, young people of color, Black, now telling our stories through our lens with authenticity. And that's, that's wonderful, you know? We've had to wait a long time for this as Black performers, as Black artists, as Black anybody in the industry, to be able to tell our own stories with authenticity. I'm the person that wrote a script and was told by a studio, it's too much to have a Black man with a gun in his front yard fighting off a racist attack. It was too much. I'm that person who was told that. I am that actor who was told that I was too black and in the same day, I was not black enough. I am that performer who was told, you just have to sound blacker. I am that performer who was told, if you just gain some weight, you might work more. So to be able to now stand in a place where I am just me, as I am authentically, with the help of this young woman who, for lack of a better word, your child is being able to put you up there and say, you're good just the way you are. Yeah, you are. In fact, we're good just the way we are. In fact, let's get more of us together and show the world how wonderful we are. Oh my God, it's a gift. I love it. I'm happy. We'll be right back after a short break. This podcast is brought to you by Intel vPro. AI PCs built for business with Intel Core Ultra Processors and Intel vPro are optimized for hundreds of AI apps and tools to boost user productivity, all with AI-powered threat detection. Learn more at intel.com slash itheroes. You all work so wonderfully together. It's shot in mockumentary style. And so you're always kind of looking at the camera, looking at the audience. I noticed that you do less of that. 
And I was wondering if that's because that's not something Mrs. Howard would do, or if that's just not your style of acting. I just was curious about that because having watched several episodes now, I realize that you don't play the camera in quite the same way. What's the story behind that? You'd hit the nail on the head. It is both things. One, as a performer, you don't play to the camera. You emote, you act. In this case, I'm not acting. I'm basically just being. And the next thing is, I don't think that Mrs. Howard in that situation would be playing to the camera. You know, she might have a little cheeky moment here and there, but no, she's going to come in there. She's going to teach her class. She's not going to ridicule. She's not going to make fun. She's going to tell you the truth just the way it is. That's it. Simple. So take your little camera down the hall because I have some teaching to do. That's kind of that that mindset. You you know, I'll, I'll tolerate you, but I'm not going to exactly play to that camera. Yes. It's part of the character. That's right. And there's one scene where some students come in and she's like, what are you doing in here? Get out of here. You are not to be in here with those things. Get out. You know, and it's just like, yeah, that's how she is. We also see her evolve and blossom and in some ways soften over time as she is warming up to people who, who irritate her a little bit. Because uh, <laughs> she's, I'm not saying she's cranky, she just is particular and that's okay. I actually, I understand her. There is a, a, a clip between um, she and, and a young teacher who particularly gets on her nerves because he's always quoting Cornell West and um, <laughs> and is, you know, woker than woke. And let's just play this clip and then we can talk about the relationship between the two of them. I'm telling you, Twitch is more popular than TV. More people are actually watching Twitch than Jacob, I am trying to oversee nutrition here. Oh, yeah, no, of course. Sorry. What about you, Devin? Who's your favorite streamer? I'm busy, Caillou. <laughs> Classic Devin. I can't believe this is what they're serving the children. budget cuts, and it gets worse every year. Are there even any vegetables in these meals? Yeah, we got sprouts flown in from Brussels every morning. No use getting frustrated with him. They're just like us, doing the best with what they got. I saw a Now This video about some teachers in Kentucky who built a vegetable garden at their school. We could do something like that here, I bet. We, Jacob and Barbara, the ultimate dream team. <laughs> Jacob, stuff like that won't work here. But, but it's worked in other schools. And, and the great part is it would help the kids, but also we'd get to be gardening, which is like the best thing ever. Now that I will agree with. First of all, I, I, have to, I have to tell you, I don't know if you caught what he did when he said dream team. I did. I totally caught it. You caught that. it? <laughs> I caught it. I caught it. I was just I was just like, oh my God. He's I was just like, Chris, that was good. You did that. And I was just like, oh my God, dream team. But he was singing mm -hmm. Dream Girl. Mm -hmm. And I was mm -hmm. like, oh wow. Let's give him his due. That's Chris Perfetti. And he is wonderful in this role. We should say that you have connections to education that go beyond your own experience in education. You are married to a state legislator who has put education front and center in his agenda. And if you look at, at his um, portfolio, he has been talking about 
mold in schools. He's been talking about infrastructure. He's been talking about teacher pay. He's been talking about the conditions that children experience when they walk up to a school building and the message it sends to them when there are broken windows and when the building does not look like it is well cared for. So do you bring that experience into your role? The work that um, comes into your home through his work trying to make change as a legislator, are you trying to in some ways work in tandem with that by putting a spotlight on some of these things so people understand that there really is this this chasm in, in our American school system, that some children walk up to school and they see a building that greets them and, and everything about that building says, we believe in you and we believe in your future. And there are other children who walk up to school and they say, we hope you do okay, because the building suggests that they are subject to a different value system in society. I cannot tell you how blessed I am to be in this show at this time married to my husband, Senator Vincent Hughes of Pennsylvania, to be able to support the message that he's been trying to get out there for years with very little attention paid to it, very little, to almost none. But God and the celestial goddess, in their great wisdom, saw to put us together 20 some odd years ago to know that y'all stay together all these years because uh, 20 years from now, something wonderful is going to happen and all of this is going to work fabulously, not just for you, but for everybody else. And here I am now in Abbott Elementary, takes place in Philadelphia, not just Philadelphia, in West Philadelphia, which is part of his whole constituency. And it deals with his passion, the education of all children, especially those who are marginalized and forgotten about. How perfect is the universe? Together, we get to work in our passion space, and it works. How do you do this in a way that uplifts the kids? Because you spotlight, you know, some of the things that are severely lacking in education. The children have older books. The teacher can't even afford to get a rug. The lunch, the lunches are quite literally difficult to swallow. How do you do that in a way that allows us to laugh at it, but not make light of the situation? How do you do that in a way that spotlights the children, but doesn't stigmatize them? Because it seems like you have to walk a very fine line to make sure you're not, you know, putting those babies in a bad situation. Absolutely. And you're right. You do have to walk a very fine line. And you can also see that every week the child's voice is not left out. Every week you get to meet another version of a child in that situation and you get to hear their story. You get to hear them speak up with their own words I think that sometimes it's very hard for people to focus on color. And if you see a whole lot of black children in a room, it's easy for some people to think they're all the same, not knowing they are all different. And I'm hoping that with a show like Abbott Elementary, people start looking at themselves and rethinking what they think they thought about people Black people, when the, the whole idea that Black lives matter 
until you can say it out loud, they don't matter. You have got to know that just like everybody else, that life, that child, that human being is valuable. You cannot just look at all black children and say the hope of America isn't in one of them. You cannot look at all of them and say the doctor who is going to perfect the COVID-19 vaccine is not in one of them. The person who is going to develop your favorite snack, peanut butter, is not in one of them. The person who is going to give you your daily utensil and ironing board is not in one of them. The future president of the United States is not in one of them. Just because they're Black, you are missing out when you choose not to educate them, when you choose not to see them, when you choose not to value them like you would any other child. What do you want to see for the show in the long run? 15 years. I, I, I want to see <laughs> 15 years. I mean, how long has Grey's Anatomy been on air? Uh, pro- I, you know, I, I can't answer that question, but I'll just say a long time. But when I ask you that question, when I ask you that question, I guess I'm asking not in the traditional parameter of success, Emmys, Golden, you know, Golden Globes, whatever, you know, all the awards, all of the accolades. Is there something beyond traditional success that you're hoping for in this show? You know what I want? I want what I receive now. I want some child to watch this show, grow up and say, Miss Ralph, I saw you in Abbott Elementary and I loved you and you impacted my life. I am a principal today, a teacher today, a superintendent today. Or I want them to say, I'm living a happy life today. I've got three children that are healthy and happy. I want somebody to have been able to see our work and grow from it. That is one of the greatest gifts. Just like Quinta looking at me and saying, Miss Ralph, this is for you. I see you, Miss Ralph. That's what I want. That's what I want. Because on my headstone, it will say, Cheryl Lee Ralph, job well done. I want to switch gears for just a minute because if people do pay attention to your presence on social media. You are always sending out messages about self-love, about self-care, about self-worth, and about rest, about the importance of taking time for yourself to make sure that you get the rest that you need, the rest that you deserve. You talked about, and I'm going to quote you here, you said that I am not looking to anybody else to make me feel as good as I need to feel to carry on in this life. I'm going to do what I have to do for me. That's it. I am not your superwoman. I am my own superwoman. And I know when I need to take my cape off and have it dry cleaned. Snaps on that. So, so you are now this person who is so confident but you spend so much time in an elementary school setting. And I don't know about you. I'm in my hometown of Minneapolis right now. I'm speaking to you. And I drove by my old elementary school. And I felt like I was eight years old again just when I saw the building. And so who was the young Cheryl Lee Ralph? And how did you go from that person, who I'm certain probably had self-doubts when you were young, to this person today who was so supremely self-confident? I'm an immigrant's child. My mother came to America from Jamaica big dreams, many of which she was able to fulfill. 
And my mother instilled in me her strength and the fact that life is tough, life is hard, and so you must be tougher and move forward. And people are ignorant, and that is why you must be smart. Because the two of those things, wisdom, smartness will win. And she would talk in a way that made me believe her. And I was a funny looking girl. They used to call me liver lips. My nickname was Ugmo. They used to make fun of me. I was always the only black child in an all white school. The way they made fun of my hair when you weren't invited to the birthday parties. Oh, when I think about those things sometimes and I wonder how I made it, I can hear my mother's voice telling me it's all right. Look in the mirror. You don't see how beautiful they are. How can they have you around them when you're so beautiful and so smart? Give yourself time in life. And at times I would be so sad, but then I'd see my dad breaking the color barrier, being the first black teacher in the school district. You know, I, I would see that having one foot in one society, another foot in another society. Oh my God. Sometimes I wonder how I made it. But I look back on some of these things and they say, you know, time can be the great healer. I went to this exclusive little Catholic school in Connecticut. And, you know, you had to take a test. There had only been one black girl before. And she left because it was very difficult. And then I came in. And I remember one day the nun looked at me and said, we don't have to take students like you. And it was a piano lesson and she slammed that piano lid down. I pulled my hands back just in time for it not to hit my hands. And I, I remember I was young and I was confused. Cause I'm like, why is, why is she being like this to me? And why would she try to hurt me? And then she stopped talking to me and I went upstairs to my classroom and my whole classroom was gone. This was all one day in my life, my little young life. I went to Mother Superior and I sat there waiting for Mother Superior. And when she came out, she just looked at me. What is it? And I, I said, my class is gone. And she said, what do you mean your class is gone? I said, my class is gone. There's nobody there. They sent me home in the middle of the day, but I knew that my class was going in search of rosary beads. I'm not Catholic, but if they were gonna go get a blessing, I was gonna get a blessing. I was not gonna go miss out on the blessing. So I go deeper, I walk. They'd taken a bus and I walked all the way to where I knew they were going so I could get my blessing. And I walked back home and it got dark and everybody had been looking for me and my parents were freaked out. And then I got beat because they used to beat children then when they were really worried about them. And I got beat 
because they, everybody was scared. My father was so scared. They thought something happened to me. Well, they didn't know something had really happened to me. And I didn't tell them for a long time what had happened. But years later, I would come back to that city. And don't ask me why the nun, and I always remember her eyes. They were these crazy kind of uh, blue-green piercing eyes. And that woman walked towards me. And I was sitting in my dad's car, and I'm young still. And she saw me, and she looked at me, and she said, I'm sorry. I'm very sorry. I didn't know any better. So it hurt me for a long time. But time sometimes heals. She didn't know any better. But somewhere along the line, maybe she learned something and she apologized. And I've had many experiences over my life with people about, you know, race and how they treat, especially young people or anybody of color, but especially young people. And um, I've gotten quite a few apologies in my life that, you know, sometimes it doesn't heal it all the way, but at least I'm confident that people can actually learn, so. Is that the lesson you take from that? That it's a long game? It's a very long game. And so I remain always positive, always positive, because I can still hear my mother's voice telling me it's gonna be all right. You will smile, you're beautiful, be smart, do that. Although she hated me being in show business, she always wanted me to be a doctor. What? Or oh my gosh, you know it's an immigrant. You be a, you're supposed to be a doctor, be a lawyer, and if you can't do that, then marry one. <laughs> and you married a politician. So, and I married a politician. <laughs> oh my God, they're so proud of my husband. They were so proud of my husband. But um, yeah, you know what I say to people: if I can make it, you can make it. If I can overcome, you can overcome. You, have, you just have to want to overcome. And sometimes people just need to know that somebody believes in them, believes in their ability. Shirley Ralph, I have loved talking to you. We have to figure out how to do this again. Much love to you. All the best. I hope that this does run 15, 20 seasons and I wish nothing but good things for you and that cast and your husband who has his own cape. Oh, thank you, Michelle. Since its debut in December, Abbott Elementary has quadrupled its ratings, breathing new life into the mockumentary genre and shining a light on the hard work of teachers everywhere. Please Go On is produced by Julie Debenbrock with editing from Allison Michaels, Renita Jablonski, and Michael Duffy. This episode was mixed by Veronica Simonetti. Our theme music is by Ted Muldoon. If you like this episode, please say so. Give us a rating and review wherever you get your podcast and tell your friends to listen too. 
I'm Michelle Norris. Tune in next week for the return of host James Holman, because there's always more to say. This podcast is brought to you by Intel vPro. AI PCs built for business with Intel Core Ultra Processors and Intel vPro are optimized for hundreds of AI apps and tools to boost user productivity, all with AI-powered threat detection. Learn more at intel.com slash itheroes.